Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. I have to tell you, a while ago I saw a couple of articles uh, in Chicago papers talking about this gigantic auction of stamps and letters from centuries and the past and thousands of them and what they're worth. And so I thought, you know, it would be really cool to get somebody on to talk about that. Uh, so we did, and we will, and we are. But then, okay, so I find out about the company that's doing this auction of old letters, uh, this collection. And then I find out about the president of the company. And I'm telling you, I went down this rabbit hole big time. This is an amazing company with an unbelievable history. So let's welcome Charles Epting, president and CEO of H.R. Hammer Fine Stamp Auctions. Good evening, Charles. Welcome to WGN. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah. You know, in case you're wondering, uh, Charles is a, wait a minute, philanth- hold on, Cole, come on, is a, is a, I can't get my audio to play. Philatelist. There we go. Philatelist. There he is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I am a, uh, a, a philatelist, admittedly. <laughs> I mean, I knew that was the name. I, I mean, I knew that that was a thing, but I'm like, man, I'm not sure I know how to pronounce this, but thank goodness there's. <laughs> There's a way to learn anything these days. So you are a philatelist, and that's a person. I am a philatelist, yes. So d- define that, then, for people who may not know. So a philatelist is um, is essentially a stamp collector. I like to think mm-hmm. of a philatelist as somebody who maybe goes a step further than just collecting stamps. They study them. They contextualize them. They look at the history and sort of, um, you know, learn more. They, they do more than just, you know, sticking uh, stamps sequentially in an album. So a philatelist is sort of a serious stamp collector, I would say. And has the philatelist uh, stamp collector position, has that sort of faded in recent years due to the fact that people don't use letters the way they used to? And then therefore, it would seem to me that perhaps the value of some of the stamps that are on them might uh, vanish also, or at least diminish. Right. Yeah, it, it's a difficult question. Um, you know, some people view it as, uh, you know, fading away or, or dying off. I like to think right. of it as evolving. Um, you know, certainly um, stamp collecting is not as ubiquitous a hobby as it may have been 50 or 75 years ago. Um, but with technology, with the Internet, with the resources that are available, we can do so much more uh, scientifically, historically, uh, looking at these uh, these artifacts of the past. Uh, that I don't think it, it, it's going away anytime soon. Again, I, I think it's evolving. I think it's changing. But uh, you know, this is a hobby that's been around uh, for over 150 years, and I think it's certainly here to stay uh, at least, you know, a, a, a while longer. Well, you've certainly turned it into, uh, a, you know, a, a position of, of CEO and president of this company, H.R. Hammer Fine Auctions in New York, and I was reading about your company, and that just was really a mind-boggler. Can you give us a, a, a brief thumbnail of the history of the company? Because it's really incredible. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was one of the things I was uh, taken by when I when I was offered this job. H.R. Harmer was founded in 1940. Uh, we're one of the oldest auction houses specializing in postage stamps in America. Um, and, and the thing that sort of put us on the map when we really uh, you know rose to prominence is in 1946, we were selected to sell the stamp collection of the late President Franklin Roosevelt. He was a, uh, a, a very well-known and very enthusiastic stamp collector. 
And whereas most of his personal artifacts went to his library after he passed, he was very clear that he wanted his stamp collection to re-enter the market. He didn't want these things to be tied up in a presidential library forever. He wanted others to be able to own them and get the same joy out of them that he did. So H.R. Uh, yeah, Harmer sold Franklin Roosevelt's collection over a series of four sales in 1946. And uh, ever since then, we've been uh, you know, uh, handling wonderful world-class stamp collections, uh, not just American stamps, all corners of the globe. And uh, um, it, it's a really wonderful company to, uh, to be able to work for. I joined the firm uh, about seven years ago. Uh, it was my first full-time job out of college. I was a history student. So it was sort of a natural progression for me, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed every second of it. Well, the headline I saw, one of the headlines anyway, I think this was from the Chicago Sun-Times, thousands of letters, some sent from Chicago nearly two centuries ago, are going up for auction. And we'll talk more about that when we come back on 720 WGN. That's what they used to say anyway. John Landecker at 720 WGN, thousands of letters, some sent from Chicago nearly two century ago, centuries ago, are going up for auction. And the folks that are doing it uh, is H.R. Hammer Fine Stamp Auction Company, and we were... We're in the middle of a conversation with Charles Epting, who is the president and CEO. So, Charles, tell us about these thousands of letters from Chicago, some nearly 200 years old. Absolutely. So this collection was put together by a gentleman who was born in Chicago. His name is Leonard Piskowitz. He lives in Northern California currently. Um, but he, he, again, born and raised in Chicago, uh, You know, grew up a stamp collector and decided that he was going to focus his collection on uh, documenting the history of the city that meant so much to him. So he spent the better part of the last 50 years uh, trying to uh, accumulate every postmark, every letter, uh, every piece of the city's postal past that he could possibly find, which resulted in uh, what I think is uh, arguably the greatest collection of Chicago postal history ever assembled. Um, you know, Going back to the days, the first post office in Chicago was founded in 1831. The first letter he has is from 1833. So we're talking about a tiny little community of about 250 people, uh, you know, centered around the river uh, when you know, sending letter, sending a piece of mail to the East Coast was no small feat. And uh, the amount of mail that, that survived is obviously very, very small from those early days. So each each letter, uh, you know, that was carried in those early years is a real uh, window into the past. I know that according to this uh, press release I have here that you have been immersing yourself for the past six months in early Chicago history to pre- prepare for this auction, um, going through thousands of pieces of mail, almost all originating from Chicago. Um, there wasn't even a postmaster here in the beginning, was there? No, early on, postmaster was uh, sort of a part-time job. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of cities, they would find a shopkeeper or a lawyer or a doctor or just somebody who had a little bit of free time uh, to serve as the city's postmaster. So the other thing I think is incredible about these early days, there was no postmark yet. Nowadays, you hand a piece of mail to the post office and then run it through a machine that, you know, sprays ink onto it. Um, right. In those early days, the postmaster had to write the name of the city by hand on each piece of mail uh, that was outgoing. So the postmaster would take the letter and literally write the word Chicago uh, in ink pen uh, because the city uh, wasn't large enough to warrant its own postmark yet. So it it really helps put things in perspective. And, uh, you know, it makes you look at the city in a completely different way. There's so many things about this that piqued my interest, part of it being, you know, postal rates. We all think about the rate of postage. But what we're talking about is a time when rates were based on distance and the number of sheets of paper. So letters were written. Tell us about this on huge sheets, 
folded many times into a square, people reading from left to right and then turning the page 90 degrees, and so they wrote over what they'd already written? How does this work? Right. So th- this is also the reason uh, why envelopes were not popular early on, is because when, <laughs> when letters were, when, when letters were um, uh, calculated by a uh, number of sheets of paper rather than weight, um, an envelope would count as a second sheet of paper. They would charge you double just right. for putting your letter into an envelope. So you'd have to write on a piece of paper and then fold it up. And, yeah, you see these, these uh, obviously the handwriting back then is much more beautiful than uh, certainly my own handwriting and, and most right. people I know. And, and yeah, they would write uh, to sort of um, double the amount of uh, writing they could fit into a letter. They would write, you know, horizontally and then turn the paper 90 degrees and cross-write against that. Um, and, and I have a lot of trouble deciphering this today. I think it's one of those skills that you sort of had to uh, grow up with because trying to make heads and tails of it, um, you know, decades, centuries later is, is difficult. But people were very frugal and did whatever they could to save, you know, the, the 12 or 20 cents, uh, you know, whatever it was depending on the distance the letter was traveling, uh, they, they really tried to look for little workarounds. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, um, that's one thing that doesn't change over the years is, is maybe people's frustration with the post office, and that's certainly evident in the uh, lengths that people went to to, um, to send uh, cheap letters early on. So tell us about the, the, the auction itself, when it's going to take place, how we could participate in it if we desire to. Absolutely. So the auction itself is going to take place March 28th uh, at our office in New York City, um, on our website, that's www.hrharmer.com. That's H-R-H-A-R-M-E-R.com. Um, we've got all the information, but the, the more exciting, so the, the auction is about a little less than two months away, but, but more exciting, we're actually taking all of the material from the auction, all of these letters. Uh, we are flying them from our office in New York to Chicago this coming Thursday. There's a great organization called the Collectors Club of Chicago. They were founded in 1928. They're sort of the uh, the bastion of Chicago philately, and they've got a great <laughs> clubhouse on uh, on North Dearborn Street, right near the Gold Coast. And uh, we're we're actually having an open house this coming Thursday uh, at 1 p.m. at their uh, at their headquarters to uh, you know sort of repatriate this material back to Chicago to bring it back home to Chicago. Uh, one last time before the auction, and uh, and I, I think that's going to be a really fun event. That uh, that's open to the public, and people can come by, learn a little bit. We'll have you know snacks and and hors d'oeuvres and whatnot. But uh, I think it'll be a good chance to um, you know show people that that stamp collecting um, yeah might have a uh, maybe doesn't have the coolest reputation. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of a stigma around stamp collecting, uh, like you sort of alluded to earlier. But there's so many different ways you can approach it. And it's as much about the social history and the cultural history oh. and the architectural history. Uh, and that's really what we want to convey to people. Well, you know, I I know I, I for a short period of time when I was a kid, collected stamps. Uh, a lot of my friends collected stamps. Some of them got into it more than others. There were these booklets that you'd get and you would try to get a stamp from this country or this particular location. But I don't think anybody, I certainly didn't think. That decades later, this thing would become almost passe because people weren't writing letters anymore. They're sending emails. And if anything comes into my mailbox at my house, it's usually some junk promoting one thing or another. I mean, the art of writing a letter, that's got to have almost vanished. And who would have thought that, you know, when we were kids collecting stamps, that um, this was a part of history that may that was going to fade eventually. 
Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm of the generation I've had an iPhone in my hand since I was in middle school, basically. Right. So for me, it's a, it's a nice uh, bit of an escape. It's, uh, you know, a, a peek into the way things uh, used to be. And, you know, whenever I get uh, sick of emails and whenever I just want to <laughs> shut my phone off and, and disconnect for a bit, I can turn to these letters. And I can read what people wrote 150 years ago. I can read, you know, letters from a prisoner of war camp during the Civil War or a letter about the first train uh, that that rolled into Chicago. And and it it really is a nice um, sort of reprieve from the the hustle and bustle of, uh, of, of, you know, modern life. You made a reference there to a couple of uh, letters that you've read. Could you tell us the content of one of them? Absolutely. So I, I think one of the, the most incredible letters um, uh, that I've, I've read recently, and I, I read this right after um, Christmas, so uh, about, a, about a month ago I was reading it. Um, camp Douglas, uh, which is in Chicago, was the largest Union prisoner of war camp during the Civil War. That's where the most uh, soldiers from the South were, were sent. And I was reading a letter, again, just a couple of days after Christmas this mm-hmm. year, uh, a young man writing home to his family. Uh, describing the Christmas meal they were served at the POW camp. And they had turkey and ham, and it sounds like a, a, a wonderful spread. Obviously, the conditions in these camps were uh, were not the best, but he was, uh, you know, sort of picking up on any glimmer of hope that he could, and again, describing this wonderful Christmas meal to his family. And reading that so soon after the holidays really put it into context uh, for me. Uh, and then there's another great letter about, uh, it was written by... Um, uh, he's a, a lumber baron who was trying to get his, his lumber in and out of Chicago. And he was describing the first uh, train that, uh, that that rolled between uh, Chicago and Galena. And uh, just the thought of somebody standing there watching Chicago's first locomotive, uh, you know, such a, a, a foreign mode of transport in the late 1840s, early 1850s. Um, you just imagine what it would have been like to, to have been there that day. So these are the stories that I, uh, that, you know, that keep me so excited and so passionate about this job. It's not just about collecting stamps. It's being oh, able to put not. yourself, no. right. you're, you're, you're really living the lives of these people who, who went before us. And I think that's, that's really incredible. It's one thing to sit in a history class and learn these, you know, big picture uh, concepts about the development of rail travel or the Civil War. But when you hold a letter in your hands and you can read what one person saw on one particular day, I think it just it just uh, puts a whole new spin on history. And I think it makes it so much more personal and uh, you know just just very um, uh, very palpable. Oh, no doubt. And these are the letters, or at least part of the collection that will be up for auction. They are, yes. So so everything I'm describing will, will be up wow. for auction at the end of March. Wow. Well, Charles, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Charles Epting, President and CEO of H.R. Hammer Fine Stamp Auctions. Thanks very much for being with us and have a pleasant evening. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks for having me.